Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame. Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take take our our power back and and live motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy. Hello, welcome back. Today we are going to be talking to Dr. Elizabeth Willison, a certified pelvic rehab physical therapist and owner of El Paso Pelvic Health Physical Therapy in El Paso. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Good. We're super excited. I think this has been, I put it out on Instagram and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear like what she has to say. I'm like, yay, we have some excitement. (laughs) So I wanted to know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into working as a pelvic rehab physical therapist? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I went to PT school in Las Vegas and I was doing some clinical work in different settings. And there was a setting in pelvic rehab, which was called Women's Health then. And I thought, hmm, that would be interesting. And then in school, we learned that so many things that I was just told by like my mom, my aunts, et cetera, growing up were actually not normal, like leaking when you cough and having this or that kind of pain. And I thought, well, why isn't people going around telling everyone this, like, this is something we should all know. And all these people think it's normal and we need to do something about it. So I just became very passionate about it. I loved the clinical work I did and I just started doing everything I could to learn more and specialize in it. Wow. That's great. So when you were doing the clinical setting, were you doing like different type of, um, like clinics with them? Like how was the, the, the PT work for this? I'm, I'm kind of curious, right? Cause I'm like, I don't work yeah. in the medical field at all. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, um, typically physical therapists were musculoskeletal specialists. So we look at how the muscles, nerves, everything kind of moves in the whole skeleton. And with physical therapy for pelvic, you know, it was called women's health then. And we mostly just saw women, but there's been a kind of a change over the last five, 10 years to see more of the other spectrum, um, people non-binary and transgender and male genders. But um, mostly it was like a women's health thing where we're helping women when they're pregnant and postpartum with any ailments that come up, back pain, hip pain, but primarily also focused on the pelvic floor, which is a set of muscles at the bowl, the base of the pelvis that surround the openings. And they play a huge factor in when you urinate and if you accidentally urinate yourself and when you defecate and during sexual activity. So it's been this huge push to help people who kind of just have been told I leak myself because I have babies and that's normal to actually Mm -hmm. those muscles are trainable and voluntary, meaning you can turn them on and you can turn them off. And just like the muscles in your arms and legs, we just need to help you find them and then reteach them in some cases and then you're good to go. So there's a lot of education that's involved in this field, but it still looks like 
talking to people, interviewing them, seeing what is going on and how long these things have happened, finding out things that they don't realize are connected, like my scar pain in the front might be connected to my bladder issues or my back pain. Um, And then telling them, okay, let's try looking at this on the outside. Let's look at this on the inside, do an intravaginal exam, intrarectal exam, because that's where we can really see what's going on with those muscles. And then let's get you started on a care plan with exercise, education, maybe bladder or bowel retraining, different things like that. Wow, Wow, that's that's very expensive. Yeah, that's very interesting. And two, like I think with the push of pelvic floor physical therapy, it has been really great to increase people's knowledge that it's there. But then a lot of times people think we're just hyper-focused on what your pelvic floor is doing. When we look at your whole body still, and we look at how you're standing, what your posture is like, how you're sitting, how you carry your weight, how you move, how you lift, what your breathing's like, how you're standing and your feet, you know, there's all sorts right. of things that play in a role in your pelvic health. So it's, so I used to tell people I treat from the shoulders to the knees front and back. But then it's like, well, I I can look at your feet too and determine like things we might need to change there. And like, sometimes it's the head neck stuff that we work on. So it's just all everywhere. It's It's all all connected. connected. (laughs) It's all connected. It really is. And that's what I'll have people say too, is they'll tell me a situation. Um, like maybe it was 30 years ago that they had their babies and then this happened, this happened, this surgery, they had a tummy tuck and all of those things have contributed and they don't realize, you know, because there's this one was so long ago or that seems like it shouldn't matter that, um, you know, the breast cancer that feels so far away, it's so high away from my pelvis, but the body is this, you know, web all connected and it really does play a role. Wow. And I know, I think you covered it a little bit, but who, who do you think benefits from physical, this kind of physical therapy? I know you said like pretty much all genders benefit. Um, I mean, is it like, could it be used prophylactically? Is it? (laughs) Absolutely. So yeah, we, um, we do see, There's different peaks, I guess you could say, in population ages and where we see people. So there is a really big peak in the like pregnant postpartum population of where we see because pregnancy so great. It just like highlights any type of weakness, pain, whatever you might have had in the past, like tends to come back during pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we'll find all of your little weaknesses and just amplify them because it's so wonderful. Um, And so that is a big peak. And then because of the hormonal changes that occur around menopause, things Mm -hmm. that you might not, you might have had a weak pelvic floor, but then the tissue changes because the hormones are changing and then it can no longer support as well. So then all of a sudden these things get more obvious. Like I was leaking a little bit before, but now I'm leaking way more. Or Mm. I didn't really have, I had some issues with being able to achieve orgasm during intercourse, but now like I have a lot of pain and irritation. And so there's definitely peaks there. 
But absolutely, we can see people before they're even pregnant, if they're like, tell me how my systems are working and if I need to do anything now. So me as kind of a type A overachiever my whole life, um, (laughs) I was very tight my -hmm. whole life. And that led to a lot of like constipation because pelvic floor closes the outlet. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if you're really tight, then you can have constipation, you can have abdominal pain, which I totally did, which is another reason learning in PT school, like, wait, all these things are connected. And if people just found out, then we could help so many people. Um, It was another motivating factor for me. But Mm -hmm. constipation, pelvic pain, even things like urinary urgency and frequency, or fecal urgency, like you feel the urge and you have to go right away. You can't hold it. A lot of times those end up being like tight pelvic floor symptoms and being able to treat those and figure out how to connect to your pelvic floor before you really, really need to connect to it during labor is great. You know, it's a really great tool to have. And so I've seen people like that. I've seen people who have a lot of scar issues because they've had abdominal surgeries. They haven't had kids, but they've had abdominal surgeries. And because when a scar heals, it can lay down what we call like um, that scar tissue can become adhesive or have adhesions to whatever's nearby. And so it can adhese to the bladder, can adhese to the bowels. And so then those mm-hmm. don't work as well. So doing some hands-on work for those to get those moving better, retraining those structures as well can be beneficial too. Um, again, males, we see a big peak of males in like, 20s and 30s that have pelvic pain, testicular pain, penile pain, issues with erectile um, activity and maintaining arousal or premature ejaculation. So those all can be contributed. Those things can be affected by pelvic floor muscles and what we call pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. And then at the clinic too, we'll see a big peak of population right after a prostatectomy or they're having prostate issues because the female doesn't have, born female doesn't have um, the prostate, but the male with their prostate, it ends up being like another plug, like a stopper. And so they can hide behind pelvic floor weakness with a prostate because it's plugging things up more and giving more support. And then you take away that prostate or you do something in that area and then it's they don't have that support anymore. And then now suddenly we get to see how weak your pelvic floor muscles are. Wow. wow and is, it, is the assessment of the pelvic floor different in a male than a female? Like how you assess their strength? Mm-hmm. So if they have a vagina, then we typically prefer to do an intravaginal examination. But again, that is going to show us the front of the pelvic floor. So if they're only having back of the pelvic floor issues, meaning the front of the pelvic floor is where we're going to find issues around like vaginal penetration, around the urethra where the urine comes out. So if there's any bladder issues, urgency, frequency, burning with urination, Um, irritation there, 
or they're in, in the absence of a UTI and or there's like vaginal opening issues, then we're looking, we want to make sure we're assessing the front of the pelvic floor, which we would do intravaginally. If our complaints are really just like tailbone pain and like issues with defecation, um, we might do intravaginal, but we're more likely to focus on the what's going on and reaching the pelvic floor muscles in the back, which is easiest to do through the rectum. And that's the primary method of choice for someone without a vagina, but also we can assess externally what the front muscles are doing like around the genitals as well. So there's a few tools in our toolbox for it. Um, and it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel weird to us at all because we're not like looking at your genitals being like, Ooh, right. We're really <laughs> just like inserting a finger inside and telling you, okay, I'm on this muscle right now. I'm on this muscle right now. And we're just doing it through a tube and either the tube of the vagina or the tube of the rectum and just being able to like, okay, here's this muscle, this muscle, this muscle, which we wouldn't really be able to access otherwise. That's wow. so interesting that you mentioned like the back muscle, right? Because when you're, when I was thinking pelvic health, right? And I was so excited about this interview. All I was thinking, it was just the vagina and that's it, right? Like delivery or like you say, like you're urinating yourself and stuff like that. Like when you said something about being like constipated and all this other issue, and it's like, well, it is a floor, it's covering front and back, but it would have never even crossed my mind that, you know, like you said, people with male anatomy would also have an issue and will also benefit, you know, for different things. Like that would have never crossed my mind until I spoke to you today. So it's like all these misconceptions or just like of knowledge that we all have on that topic that mm -hmm. until you learn, then you're kind of like the light bulb goes off. It's like, oh, like I may benefit from this because you were mentioning constipation. And I was like, I, you know, you talk about this stuff and it's like, never thought it could have been the floor. You were thinking like more fiber, more this, more mm -hmm. that. And it's like, it's not going to help. <laughs> yeah. You can do all the things and still like you, the last piece I've been working with, um, uh, a 75 year old male who with years and years, like he says pretty much his whole life, he had constipation. He, it just wouldn't come out. He does all the things. He's like a plant-based diet, tons of fiber, works with a nutritionist. And then in the last 10 years, they dis they diagnosed him with dyssynergic defecation, which basically means they did the test and they're able to see the pelvic floor muscles are coming up when he tries to poop instead of relaxing and coming down, which is incredibly common. And just it's how it works when you've been constipated for a long time. So Really, all it took for us was even though he's 74 and he's had years and years, decades of constipation, was just teaching those muscles like how to let go and how to release and him really tuning into that voluntary aspect and taking back control. And now he's able to do it just fine. So oh it's gosh. you're right. Like the pelvic floor, it goes from your pubic bone in the front to the tailbone in the back and sit bone to sit bone. Like it's just this big bowl wrapping around front to back, side to side. But people don't think about that necessarily. You know, they might think, yeah, I have some tailbone pain, but they, we don't realize you have a bunch of muscles that attach directly and indirectly into the tailbone. Those are pelvic floor. Those are the same muscles that 
help you with defecation. And even myself, so I've had uh, two vaginal deliveries myself. And the first one, I'm like, I've been doing this for years. Like, I know what to do. I like, no, I definitely don't want to birth on my back. I'm going to birth on my hands and knees, maybe my side, but definitely not birthing on my back. And because I know there's least 30% less likely to tear in those positions. I don't want to tear. And I got this. I know all this stuff. But I didn't ever practice really tuning into pelvic floor and no one helped me like actually work on the lengthening or relaxing of those muscles. I ended up turning over after two hours and like, fine, I give in. I will just do this. We'll push this thing out, this 10 pound baby and like tear almost (laughs) all the way. And it just was a huge learning experience for me where I had seen births. I had worked Mm -hmm. with women through births. I had instructed patients and clients. But then seeing the other side, you really I make sure when I'm working with someone who's especially going to have their first um, delivery that I they feel comfortable connecting to those muscles and letting go and that we practice it in lots of positions because it's so important. If you can't do it before that time, it's so hard to figure out how to do it during the time. And I've had patients come back and say, wow, my physician was so surprised. I was a first baby and I could deliver them so quickly and I knew how to do this and that. And I'm like, that's because you have that power, you have that knowledge, and you learned it. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff is like life changing because even what you said about <laughs> about that man, like, you know, because I, I, I have family members that also like suffer from constipation and it's just been like a lifelong thing. And I would have never known, like Carla said, that, hey, like they could try to fix it. And, you know, they've tried and they just kind of suffer through it. And they're just like, man, this sucks. And it's been going on forever. There's nothing I can do. But that's like a life changing thing that you can help them figure out. Because I'm sure he's like so happy now. <laughs> he's like, yes. yes. When you poop better, your life is better. Like it is so true. <laughs> Nobody knows it. But when you like go from having this abdominal cramping and pain all the time and frustration, like sitting there, nothing happening. And then all of a sudden you're having regular <laughs> bowel movements. You're like, I feel amazing. You know? I'm a new person. That's, That's so interesting. so funny. And then a lot of people think about, we think about you on the toilet, Elizabeth. <laughs> they they're tell like, me that yes. all the time. They're like, I thought of you on the toilet yesterday. And I think, oh, thank you. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. <laughs> Only someone that works in pelvic health rehab can think that as a compliment. <laughs> I have people tell me I thought about you when I was having sex because I could hear your voice say this and that. I thought about you when I was on the toilet. I was thinking about you during labor. You know, I've heard it all. (laughs) So so funny. (laughs) You're very interconnected to everybody's lives. Personal thoughts. When I see people outside the clinic. I do not approach them because some people do not want to admit that they know me, right? So, like, sometimes they'll just, like, walk on by, and we both saw each other, and they'll just walk on by, you know? And sometimes they'll come up and be like, oh, hey, you know? And then they're like, this is my therapist, 
you don't you need to know more but it's just my therapist you know <laughs> and uh so I just leave it up to them because we do we get really personal and we talk right. about all the things nobody wants to talk about right or no you haven't really had a chance to talk about to someone and then finally you're learning that wow my pain with sex and my constipation and my abdominal pain and like going into my hip all of that is connected and we can work on all of that here you know it's just wow opening for so many people because i mean yeah, maybe for me like coming from like a mexican culture like you don't talk about this right like okay like let's say you are having like painful intercourse like Mm -hmm. You need to have a very comfortable relationship with your mom, your aunt, your grandma to be like, hey, mom, I'm having sex and it hurts. Like, can you help me? Like, we're just not going to do that. So what are we going to do? We're just going to stay silent, you know, and even between friends and girlfriends, like sometimes not everybody is open to speaking about such an intimate process. But until you share it with someone is like, hey, like I'm hurting. Do you know where I could seek up? But it takes a different kind of personality to have that relationship with someone. So why do we do it? Just like we suffer in silence. We don't talk to anybody because it is embarrassing. Do you want your friends to know that sexual intercourse is painful or that you're urinating yourself? Like that is the last thing you want to talk to your friends about. But, you know, in the same place, you kind of shield yourself from the knowledge of what you need to know and. So I'm glad we're speaking about this because we're going to get real about all this stuff. Like, I'm so glad. True. I, I tell Cindy a lot of things that sometimes she probably doesn't want to listen from me. But not just me, right? I'm very open with friends and I talk to them. But I think it's until you meet with that one person that you're like, well, you know what? Yeah, me too. But yeah. someone needs to take the first step. Right. No, one of the first, um, our clinic opened in February, 2020. So right before the pandemic, I was very mm. passionate about like pelvic health and people weren't doing it here. And I just thought, why this is a big city. There's so many people that need help. You're right. The culture is more of like a, we don't talk about these things, which perpetuates like conditions like this. And I thought, you know what, we have to start something. We have to get people getting help. And, um, one of our first patients that we saw was someone who never had kids, never had abdominal surgeries, but has always had pain with sex, different partners mm. and can't figure it out, traumatized by it because one partner left her and because oh she was like, can we not have it as much? And so he left. And so now she felt like she had to just endure through it no matter what, because she was afraid it was going to, it was so impactful for her relationships. And to, we got her to a point where now she's having orgasms and so much well, like life is great. Right? right. But that person would not have known that that's an option. Right. And if she wasn't like scrolling on TikTok and found something one day, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> All yeah. of the avenues of increasing awareness, I'm a big fan of because I just, there's so many people that don't realize that they can get help or what's not normal. And then who, who to even talk to about it? We, we normalize the pain, right? We're so used to like, oh, it's always hurt. It's always this. It's just the way I am where you tolerate it, but it doesn't make it that it's okay. Like, and so you're right about a lot of stuff. It's like until we seek the help. But I'm so glad she's having like amazing orgasms now. Like that just makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we went through the whole thing, right? Like, oh, Valentine's Day is coming up or like, oh, his birthday's coming up, right? There's so much pressure to, you know, 
do these things, but I'm not ready for. And so there's like a lot, again, a lot of conversations that we have and talking about, you know, what you want and what, and helping people communicate these things to their partners. But um, the pelvic floor muscles are definitely involved in sexual appreciation and they need good blood flow to them to have like good orgasm as well. And it has to be a good balance of I can receive the blood flow and I'm not already clenched and not receiving it. And then I'm able to good, have good contraction with that good blood flow to create these like orgasmic contractions and that things are moving and working so well in the area that there's not adhesions and things pulling, causing more like abdominal pain or like in the back pain while it's going on. Wow. I know I'm just like <laughs> I'm like I've never seen Carla so excited about an episode <laughs> Carla's like and then tell me more <laughs> more we need to know more right because I mean how do we become moms it wasn't the Holy Spirit guys like this is part of why we became mothers right and so it's Spoiler cool, alert. Alert. It's cool. Not- it's <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Mom. Um, this is how I got a baby. But you know, I think there's like three most enjoyable things in life: eating, pooping, and having sex. Good quality <laughs> sex, and, honestly. And good right? quality poops, right? Good quality yeah. poops. Right? And so that's why I thought it was so important <laughs> we're talking about it. Because I mean, we became moms one way or another, right? And so I think it's so important because then you talk about this and like I feel like when you speak, like I was saying earlier, like I may not have felt comfortable talking to my mom about this, but you feel like when the grandmas and the tias start getting older and they kind of start losing the filter and they start losing things, you hear the stories from the older women of like, mija, like do this, have good sex, hoe around, do whatever you want, right? Like they kind of become liberated because of they have all these constrictions in them before and they, or they tell you it's normal to pee yourself. It is, how many times did I not hear that, right? Like once you're pregnant, you have a big belly, like you're, you're bound to, something's going to happen, right? But after the baby's gone, why are we still normalizing? Like you're bound to pee yourself or what is the stupid term I hate hearing? It's like, oh, like if you have a lot of children, you're loose or whatever. And it's yeah. like, right. There's like all this fear and tiktok right we all like talk about tiktok but this other day i was watching the tiktok of like this it was like this funny like do you want it on the bed do you want it blah 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 and it was like when you come back from your six month um six week appointment from the ob and you're clear for sex but if you had damage if you had pain like not only like you could tear but then you're having to get back into the sexual rhythm this connection with your partner and what if it's painful from you know you tore or the delivery or your muscles are totally you didn't realize you have muscles there. Like when you work out and you're like sore from somewhere, you're like, I didn't even know I had a muscle there. You're yeah. learning to use these things. And if you don't, like, what is life without good sex? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and in most, it's true. Um, and in most, like, um, everything else, you know, like your kid sprains his ankle or, you know, they have an ACL tear or something happened or they just had surgery on their shoulder we have protocols where you're not using that for a while you know you stay off of it you gradually get back into it and the six week like green light is just 
not something I'm a huge fan of because you have to one, be emotionally ready. And two, like you might not be physically ready yet. And your body has gone through a lot of change. Even if you've had a cesarean, your pelvic floor muscles still had to carry the weight of that baby and support your pelvis through all of the hormonal changes through that 10 months almost. And just there are still changes that have happened. Your pelvic floor has been impacted and the very close relationship between the abdomen and the pelvic floor is just something you can't ignore. What one is feeling, the other will typically will feel too. So it's just Mm -hmm. such a, like you just really have to have good communication and know that you're not broken if it doesn't go the way it went before the baby like on that first time or for a little while, like we can work Mm -hmm. on those things and your body is in a different season and there will be some changes, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be terrible and it shouldn't be terrible and it shouldn't be terrible forever either. You know, like you should still get back to that really enjoyable kind of sex. I was going to say too, is you were like, it could be with tearing. I just want to say too, like, yes, tearing Um, Sometimes you have scars like on your arms and your legs, they heal really well. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't heal as well. They have more like bumpy, more scar. And that's same with pelvic floor. Sometimes it heals really well. Sometimes sutures lay really well. Sometimes they don't. And so, and sometimes the scar can get sensitive as the new tissue Mm -hmm gets laid down. So working that out and we can teach people that, or we can do it ourselves is kind of like some manual work to really work on desensitizing that scar and like helping it to move better. A lot of times that's needed as well because they can be restrictive. And then whenever you're in pain or something's not moving, we typically guard against that. And so then if you're guarding and closing the door, so to speak, then, and then you're trying to have penetration through a closed door, it just doesn't work out very well. So mm-hmm. one thing can lead to the other. And if we get the whole system working better and things moving better, including scar tissue and feeling better, then it tends, up, tends to be really well received. Well, I'm like mind blown that you do the scar rehab for like perineal tears. Like I'm just kind of like, what the heck? But yeah, that makes sense because it's still a scar. You're still healing and you still need to like re like get that, you know, because I you hear that sometimes, you know, moms that have had C-sections, they're like, don't like to look at their scar. They don't like to touch it. Like there's emotional like things going on with their scar And so then, you know, then they have scar pain and they just, you know, and and to know that you can work that out and to realize that you have that also, you know, in your vagina, like around your vagina in that perineum where you might need to work that out before sex starts to feel good again for you, you know? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. And we do, we do the C-section scar work too and really work on that. I mean, with C-section, you're cutting through multiple layers of abdominal muscle and you need your abs for pretty much everything to stabilize you. And so really when you cut through a muscle, sometimes it takes a little while for that muscle to learn how to work again. And the same thing Mm -hmm. is with C-sections too. It let's make sure all four layers of your 
your abdominal muscles are firing like they should. Most time people just focus on the six pack muscles, the rectus abdominis, when really the internal obliques sometimes shut off more. Um, external obliques on the top, they usually are firing okay, but internal obliques and the transversus abdominis, the corset that everyone has, deepest and most important layer, mm-hmm. that usually isn't firing like it should be after a C-section. So that layer will also be best friends with pelvic floor and do what pelvic floor is doing. So if neither of them are working right together, then you can have a lot of, I don't know, kind of a mess a little bit and your abs not working like they should. And then you go back to that six week or 10 week and you're like, all right, I'm hitting the gym hard. I'm ready to lose baby weight. And then you could be essentially doing more damage than good with managing your pressures and those muscles not being ready yet. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody would benefit. I think sometimes, you know, moms that have C-sections, because like you said, they're not, they didn't push the baby, but even then, like they have so much damage to their muscles that how you said it's all connected. The abdomen's connected to the pelvis. So everything that the abdomen's feeling, the pelvis is going to feel. And then the pelvic floor already had all the weight of the baby. So it's already weakened in a sense. And then you're adding like the, the trauma from the abs. So I'm just like learning everything. I'm like, I swear I love these podcasts because I just learn so much. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm doing it for anyone but myself at this point. I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) Well, and two, I will have to say most of the time people are like, oh, I feel like I'm weak or I feel like I'm not as tight as I used to be. And then they will just Mm. do Kegels. Like that's a pretty, now that we're more aware of pelvic, people are talking about Kegels more which has its pros and cons, but there's tight week and then there's loose week. And most of the time, the people that we're seeing, they are tight week, meaning the muscles are more in a tensed state and shortened state is what we say. So it can't fire as well as if it was all the way full range of motion, being able to really get a good contraction. So that causes some weakness and they'll feel like they're weak, but it's actual tight weakness. And so then if you're going from a tight, tightened state and all you're doing all the time is squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Let me work on my squeeze. Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. You make things worse. You certainly don't make them better. So it's very rare. I feel like unless it's someone who is, I don't know, that 60, 70 year old patient, 80 year old patient who's just lost a lot of bowel and bladder control. It's rare for us to see a true loosened weekend state. Most of the time we are seeing tight weekend. Wow. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm taking it all in right now. But um, I was going to ask you, so in terms of like sexual help, I guess that you have, is it mostly that you see that women or whoever, you know, were experiencing painful sex? Is that the most, I guess, common issue that you find with sex that people go to you? Um, Sometimes it's lack of sexual appreciation. So inability to orgasm. Um, but most of the time it's pain with sex that we're working with the people that we're seeing 
pelvic pain in general is our number one diagnosis that we see at the clinic. Um, Wow. And so that just tells you like how common it is that people, it's more common, like leaking is number two, but you hear about people leaking more than they're willing to disclose their pelvic pain. So Hmm. it's interesting, the people who are actually coming in the door, they could probably have both or they might, you know, they have more than one thing going on most of the time, but they're, they are telling us that they have pelvic pain whether that's anywhere in the pelvic region or the perineum, uh, more often they're telling than they're telling us they're leaking. When you're pregnant, because I remember like you, you look at the doc, I remember because I used to see like a chiropractor because I had a lot of pain like on my hips. You know, once I started, I have big hips as it is. And so I remember they were like, you know, your body starts producing this hormone to start relaxing, relaxing like your muscles start kind of opening up your mm-hmm. pelvis. But when you're mm-hmm. pregnant, right? Do you think, obviously we want people to be proactive, preventive care, but let's say you're already, you're already pregnant. You're already suffering mm-hmm. from this pain. Do you think they'll benefit from seeing you? And if so, in what way, what, like if you're right in the middle of like seven month, eight month pregnancy, you're hurting, can they still come see you? Yeah. So it takes, so yes, all of those factors are kind of pitting against you right? Like the hormones going through your body, including relaxin are making things a little looser, preparing for vaginal delivery so that things aren't so stuck and that, uh, infant can come through. So the pains are typically resulting from like an instability. Basically forces being transmitted through the pelvis are not transmitted as easily because the pelvis is more like unstable or wobbly in a way. When we have good stabilization and equal forces through it, then it doesn't hurt. So those people absolutely, I'm like, let's get you as early as we can. But even if you're there at seven, eight months, there's still things we can do because we just need to like help balance out the pelvis and the force transmission to help you feel better. I have one patient that I saw during her pregnancy. Um, She had hip pain, she had pelvic pain, and just like that dull pain too, of like that heaviness and pressure. Um, and some back pain. And we were able to resolve all three. We saw her and some leakage. We saw her in postpartum. She had some leaking again. We got her to back to like a high level of physical activity that she did before. She's now back in the clinic. She um, was busy with work stuff. She's pregnant again. This is number four. And So I saw her for number three, she's back. I'm talking to her for number four and she's already that seven month along, right? And she's like, I know I probably should have come sooner. I just got busy, but actually my back pain isn't there. My pelvic pain isn't there this time. And I'm not having that hip pain either. It's just an occasional like sneeze leak kind of a thing now. And I really feel like that's because we worked so hard on things during her pregnancy and in that postpartum period that even with everything going on, those same hormones, the same type of pregnancy and it being a multiple, right? Things might get worse the more pregnancies you have. 
she's doing better because she already set herself up for that success. That's awesome. That's really, really good news, right? Because sometimes we get traumatized or we get hold on to like, if I feel like this with number one, I'm going to feel worse with two, with three, right? Mm -hmm. And you just kind of roll with it. Like, okay, I already endured it once, twice. But if you're starting at a much better spot, like your client this time around, you know, things could be better. And, you know, just because they didn't go the way you wanted them the first time, like there's things you can do for the next one. And so I'm glad that there's resources that they can seek and they're not hurting because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on when you're already pregnant. That Oh, yeah. And two, I, I think that um, it's also important for people to understand, like, we'll just meet you where you're at. You know, like if... If this is something that's anxiety inducing because you have a history of trauma and you're just really stressed and having a hard time with anything in that area, like we don't make people do things they don't want to do. That's not in line Mm -hmm. with like our philosophy and our care. Um, We explain things before we do them and we modify treatments and If someone's like, you know what, I really want to come back postpartum, but then they tell us, actually, I'm just dealing with so much postpartum anxiety and depression, I can't like come in, like we will meet them where they're at and we'll be like, it's okay, you take care of you first and we'll be here. You know, you can come when you're six months postpartum, you can come when you're two years postpartum, you can come when you're 80 years postpartum, you know, it's just whenever is ready for you, we will meet you where you're at. And I was going to ask beautiful. you, so <laughs> when we, you know, you you have a lot of women that, or a lot of pregnant people that experience like hip pain, um, tailbone pain, back pain. And I think a lot of times the number one thing is like, go get a massage, go see a chiropractor. Do you think that the high percentage of, because I do hear a lot of people tell me like, well, it's not going away. Like I'm going to the masseuse I'm going to a chiropractor and I still like I'll feel better for a little bit but it's back do you think a lot like a large percentage of those people it's a pelvic floor problem it could be a pelvic floor problem um in our profession we usually just see it as more like a muscle problem in that yeah Mm -hmm. it might feel better after you relax the muscle and you do a nice massage you get good blood flow to it you're telling it okay but if you're not addressing the root of why that muscle was angry because it's turning on because this other muscle isn't doing its job and you know when group projects if someone's not holding their weight (laughs) you know everybody else gets pissed right Right. so this muscle's pissed and angry. And if you're just like, yes, let's feel better. You're okay. And they're like, oh, that does feel better. But then the first guy still isn't doing his stuff. That's just going to keep happening. And Mm. then our, like just our profession, the viewpoint is with chiropractic, a lot of times we're adjusting bones, right? And like alignment, so to speak, Mm-hmm. But those muscles are attaching to those bones. And if one of them is out of whack, not working like it should, or more than one, and it's d- like pulling or like pushing in a different way, it's just going to keep getting you out of that alignment unless you actually address the muscle problem. So it's really just looking at maybe we do have that mobility issue at the bones and it just is gets better if we just keep telling the bone like this is where it needs to be or maybe it really is just like i have this 
trigger point here and it just needs to be released with some good massage and some good blood flow. But maybe we also need to look at the real root and see if something else is going on. And if your good stabilizing muscles aren't working as well, or you're not targeting them the way that you should be because you didn't realize that, then it's creating more pain and pressure on those hip joints or the back or the shoulder and really working on, which is another reason why I say four to six weeks is a time frame I give people of just give me four to six weeks to work on these things and you should feel better because in that time, it's we don't get muscle hypertrophy in four to six weeks. So you start a bodybuilding whatever program, you're not going to be like huge and bulky by the end of 40, four to six weeks. But what instead it does is it starts to turn on the muscles when they're supposed to be turned on and it's telling like the nervous system who controls the muscles when they should be turning on and getting things to work better. So you should feel better and see better results within that time frame. Well, that's crazy because I'm like any muscle that, you know, for all my life has been tight in my hips or whatever, it's going to get aggravated in pregnancy. And if I try to do a massage or whatever, it's temporary because yes, like you said, like they massage you and the muscle relaxes. It's like, okay, cool. You're paying attention to me. But then once like, you know, a week or whatever passes, your muscles like right back to doing what it's always done. So it's like, you're like, you can't catch me. Like, I'm just going to go back to hurting. So if Mm -hmm. you don't address, like be aware of this muscle, like, you know, call awareness to it. And, you know, I don't know what you instruct or how you teach people to like release it but whatever you teach it makes your body aware of like that's what's that's the muscle that's causing me the issue and that's like man I'm literally like like so impressed with what they're telling me I'm just like what is am I is that why I have tailbone pain (laughs) I'm like filling out your your like request form on your website as we speak I'm like like, I need to be seen now Well, like, like you said, you know, if you come, you be bring awareness to it and it's like, oh, here, let go here. Like you might still have that lag, right? Like we do a group mm-hmm. project and you're doing all the work. And then I'm finally like, okay, I'll step up and do the work. You probably will still do more work because you don't believe that I really will step it up. So mm-hmm. the same thing can happen. I will tell the right muscle, this is your job. You need to come on. This is how I want you to activate it. Like, and your other muscle might the tight one that's angry and isn't supposed to be doing the work might start to, you know, try that and it won't stop and until it really sees and believes this other one is doing its mm-hmm. job. So it, it does take a little bit of time there, but it doesn't take months and months. It's really just like wow. a few weeks. That's amazing. So it isn't a quick fix but and it takes right. work and it takes practice, which is just the the whole physical therapy world like you do have to put in the time and the practice mm. with these things it's like but your body right? learns your body's so used to it so it's like you're mm-hmm. not going to change it in a day because your body's just going to go back to what it does it's like you can't yeah. change me right away <laughs> well and i explain it to sometimes like a home position like your home position let's say is like tension and tightness in your pelvic floor 
And that's what it knows. And that's what it's comfortable with. So even though Mm -hmm. that's too tight or like, and that's not a healthy state, it still feels like home. And we have a lot of military people here and they like move here and it's like, oh, it doesn't feel like home. But by the time you've been here for a while, now it feels like home. And then you Mm -hmm. leave and go somewhere else and that doesn't feel like home yet. So it's like, you have to really work on teaching it. No, this is not home this is my new home, but it will accept it. The body adapts and it's very adaptable and it learns and it just is trying to function and stay alive and keep you alive. So sometimes the methods it does to do that aren't really like the best for you, but it's in survival Mm -hmm. mode sometimes. And if you can just tweak things and be like, oh, this is actually better. This is our new home position and this is why. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Okay. And um, what were you going to say, Carla? Sorry. No, I was going <laughs> to say like it's true because uh, we all talk about therapy, right? But like I recently had physical therapy for an injury and it was a lot of like my therapist would be like, there's only so much I can do in the one hour appointment I see you. Most of your healing, most of your stuff is going to be at home. You doing the exercises, you correcting your posture which I'm sitting like a slob right now like I always am but I think about him every time my knee's hurting or I'm doing a squat and he tells me after this injury this is how you need to do your squats because otherwise you're just going to aggravate the muscle and we're so used to a quick fix right like I'm going to go to the Mm -hmm. chiropractor and I'm going to get adjusted and I'm going to feel fine right there but then two three days later you're back to square one or I'm going to go get a massage and yeah, it feels great right there, right? So we want that easy fix, but a lot of it's going to be from what we're doing at home, what we're doing after the therapy appointment and kind of like mm-hmm. hoping to keep that like long-term, like you're like the pregnant uh, client that you have so for pregnancy is like, obviously whatever groundwork she did, she continued to do that is so well into her fourth pregnancy. And so as much as we're true Americans and we want everything today and we want it instant, Oh, you know, we have to know the resources so we can keep doing the work at home. And I'm like, mm, not my favorite thing, but <laughs> it just fixed me today. But, you know, it's so true. Like, we have to learn how to do things and have the tools, like, in our little tube belt of using them. Mm-hmm. But I'm all like, tighten, sit up straight, tighten up your muscles, <laughs> tighten up your abs. Well, and two, I think that, like you said, It's so true. You are with us maybe an hour for Mm. every one or two weeks. Like I'm not going to see you for a long time. That's a lot of hours in your day and your week that you have to keep doing this. And, and sometimes I do like, I utilize these other tools and chiropractic massage. Sometimes people really need like, um, counseling, behavioral therapy services, psychological services, you know, because of traumas, because of different things that are going on, managing anxiety and things like that. So there's a lot of interconnect between disciplines and help, like getting people into that healing state. Mm -hmm. But as long as everything's working together, like it should, then we shouldn't have these issues and and then do you know too like i usually explain it like a cup so people sometimes are like i don't understand this why this is happening um because chronic pelvic pain and chronic abdominal pain isn't the same as like i fell i broke my arm now my arm hurts 
it's typically a cup that has filled up with, I had, um, like maybe they had, uh, like a history of UTIs as a child and they didn't wipe very well. And then they had constipation and then maybe they had a, a traumatic event, uh, of abuse. And then they went through a really stressful, um, financial turn or like marital issues or like a new move or whatever it was. And then like something happened. Now they have so much pain and I'm like this or nothing really perpetuated the event. It's just all this built up in their cup. And now their system, which was just like survival, survival, survival. I can take it. I can take it. It just can't take it anymore. So then it's like, how do we get some of this stuff out of your cup? And sometimes that's with other disciplines as well. Mm -hmm. And then how can we build you a bigger cup? Because I can't tell you that like a pandemic will never happen again. Right. (laughs) And I I can't Mm -hmm. tell you that your marriage is going to be roses and butterflies and rainbows from here on out. Like things will happen, but are you still doing the things that you need to do to give you enough space in that cup where you're not in a flare up or symptomatic in the future. Or if you do get to that point where you feel it's coming, do you have the tools to be able to get rid of that stuff, find more space and get more healing. So it goes away faster and with more control. No. Yeah, that's great. I think it's so important. Like, you know, and the resources that we're trying to get out there, it's to address those things in that cup to help you like, you know, postpartum anxiety, depression, to help you find a resource for therapy because yeah, you, it slowly starts to snowball and it just makes, it could make you feel so out of control, like really quickly. And then your body reacts as well. Cause I, I hold a lot of stress in my body. Like when I feel stressed, like I have a physical response instead of emotional. And I know there's a lot of people like that. So I'll throw up. I'll like start having really bad pain in my neck, my head. Like that's just how I hold my stress. So I think it's important, like you said, that it's it's a spectrum of things that need to be addressed and everybody's going to have different needs. You know, either you need therapy, a mental therapy, or you need physical therapy. It's just kind of addressing that cut before it starts to spiral. And I had mm-hmm. a TikTok idea for you. <laughs> okay, I know we let's lighten the mood. TikTok. I was like, you need to do one because if you all do not know, El Paso Public Health does have a TikTok. Well, they put TikToks out a lot. And they're really funny. But I was thinking right now, I'm like, she should do one where it's like if your pelvic health therapist followed you around for a date like what would they be telling you because I, I was thinking of how Carla's like sit up straight relax like you know like what her physical therapist was telling her she's like okay sit up straight like don't hold tension here I'm like it would be so funny if we're like on the toilet and you just see like Elizabeth like hey do this and then she just disappears and like hey now don't do that and you're just like whoa I love it. Oh my goodness. I love it. I put it on my list. I do I have an idea list. So funny. <laughs> no, it's you're right. It happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, they already think about you there anyways. Might as well just be like <laughs> reminders from your pelvic therapist. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Day to day. So I was going to ask you, so if someone goes into your clinic, what what can they expect like when they attend an appointment there? 
um, so that they don't feel so scared. Because I think it's a little bit intimidating, at least for me. Like, you know, I'm a little bit more, um, I'm different from Carla. Like, I'm a little more introvert, a little more private. So it, to me, it's like, it's intimidating to be like, oh, man, like, what are they going to do? Like, you know, and I know you'll tell everyone, you'll give them like, the, you'll ask for consent. But just what mm -hmm. would you expect when you go in? So first appointment, you have paperwork, right? And our paperwork's a little different because you'll like kind of learn as you go, like, whoa, all of these bladder symptoms could be related to or caused by pelvic floor dysfunction. All of these bowel symptoms, all of these other areas, they could be contributed. So then you're already kind of like ready to talk about them in the session where you're like, oh yeah, I do have all of these things. Um, like that history of UTIs or various other things on there. I think people get surprised about, but then we come in and you, we just chat and like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing is going on. Um, is there anything else that you like, and you've written down your goals and what you really want to focus on. And this is from talking to you. This is what I think is going on, but I'd like to confirm that by looking externally and internally and, um, if we run out of time, I usually try to prioritize internal exam on the first day because one, that really tells us what's going on with the pelvic floor muscles. And two, most of the time people are already mentally like, I just got to get it out of the way. Like, I already know that you're going to do it. So if we postpone <laughs> it, like I've been awake all night thinking about this and now we didn't even do it, you know? So, and it's really not as bad as people think it's going to be, you know, like we don't have a speculum. We used a gloved finger with lubricant and we just go really slowly <clears throat> and different places uh, that we can access through the vagina. So it's, it's really not that bad. And 99% of the time people are like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, right? And then it's that ongoing consent as well through it because consent can be withdrawn at any time, right? So mm -hmm. making sure you're still okay. And sometimes if there's, you know, like knots in your neck, sometimes you can have like trigger points or knots in the pelvic floor too um, from lots of oh, spasm and like in guarding and injury, etc. So um, sometimes if it's too much to just like palpate or find those knots and areas and your pain levels just are increasing and we can't get them to decrease, then, um, we'll just terminate the exam. And that's, then we just got enough that we needed. We don't need to like, I'll usually do the left side and then the right side. And maybe we only do the left side today and we just table that. But most of the time, if there's like, this is painful here, then we try to do something to change that pain. And then you're like, oh, that's better. So that gives us a clue of now for part of your treatment, we know that these things help you. So I want you to start doing these things. So it, it can be really nice and valuable as a tool for you as well as a patient to know, yes, that's painful, but I just saw the pain and I felt the pain change. And I know it can change now because we just did it. Oh, yeah. That's great. So then after that exam, we talk about what we find. We give you some homework um, from that first day. And maybe that's starting to do those things that we just trialed and they work. Maybe that's filling out a voiding log of when you're peeing and when you're pooping and what you're eating and drinking. Maybe it's some stretches. Maybe it's breathing better and higher quality of breathing. 
because the pelvic floor muscles should work with the respiratory diaphragm. So they should be working in sync. And if you're not breathing very well because you're stressed mm-hmm. in your flight and fight or flight mode, or you're like used to chest breathing because you're five foot two and you just carried this huge baby and your diaphragm doesn't remember how to work anymore because it's been smashed for so many months. Um, we go through that too. And then I don't know, just different homework like that. And then let you know what we think as far as how long it will take to reach your goals and when we'd like to see you next. Oh, that does not sound awesome. bad at all. That sounds very doable. I'm like, I feel like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm the one stressed about it. I'm like, wait, what are they going to do to me? <laughs> one of Carla's friends went to a, a pelvic floor therapist and she had messaged me on Instagram and she was like, oh my gosh, they're life changing. Like they've helped me so much. And she was t- talking to me about like the, the C-section scar mobilization and just how that has helped her a lot. And I was just like so excited because I'm like not a lot of people know. And I don't think it's like the first thing that people recommend or even think to recommend. But it's so tied into so many things that I think me and Carla for sure would be like, go see a pelvic floor specialist. Like <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> I'm like that could be yes. the reason why. You know, yeah, so. my the you mentioned the form on our website. Our website has the screen, mm-hmm. like a screening tool with about 10 questions. And it's basically like if you're having any bladder symptoms like urinary frequency going a lot, urinary urgency, feeling like you always have to go, or it's super strong and you can't make it, any leakage any like history of like sciatica and any tailbone pain, pain with sitting, pain with sexual activity, any um, bowel issues, straining to void, different things like that. Long history of low back pain. If you answer three of those, then we can pretty much say with 98% certainty that you would benefit from pelvic rehab. If you answer just Mm. one of those, I still feel like we could help you, but (laughs) Um, the data is there for definitely three yeses. And I think mostly I talked to another PT last week and he said, well, I can help people that are pregnant and having back pain. And I said, absolutely you can, but you don't ask them those questions about leaking and you don't ask them those questions and like help them with that constipation. And there's other things that we look at that is tweaks our lens in pelvic rehab And we have, you know, it's different as well. Like I said, when you go through it yourself, you know, learning Mm -hmm. about it and then actual on my end, like having babies, trying to breastfeed, you know, like your neck hurts and your upper back hurts so much, but you just get through it because this is like the only position and you're like craning, straining and craning your neck just to make sure that the latch is right. And, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're just in this like, terrible position for so long, which you would never sit in otherwise, but you're just like trying to make it work. And you're just like, I have to do this. And Mm -hmm. so really it's more about bringing awareness to how can we can get you to do those things you want to do or you need to do in a better way with a better quality of life. Yeah, that could be a game changer for so many people. It's not a luxury. It's a basic need. 
the basic oh, need. Yeah. It, in other countries, they automatically get pelvic health visits as soon as they have a baby. Someone's coming into the hospital, wow. talking to them right away, and then they get a various number of pelvic health visits as soon as they have a baby, right? And then in our country, you have to fight sometimes tooth and nail just to be able to get a referral to be seen if your insurance makes you have a referral. So just, it's a totally different thing, but I'm again, a huge advocate of that needing everybody should, you know, at some point see a pelvic physical therapist. And I was going to ask if you all take insurance, but it's good to know that you do. It sounds like we do some, we do some insurances. Yeah. Um, because we are a specialty clinic and we really do a lot of like one-on-one and hands-on work with our patients. Um, some insurance companies, which they don't tell you when you sign up for your insurance, they Mm -hmm. will pay us like half of what you would pay a massage therapist, um, for that hour. Mm -hmm. And in order to, keep our doors open and still see that quality of care with only seeing you and nobody else for that hour. Like we, we aren't in network with some of those insurances, but our big ones that we are, are like Medicare and TRICARE and Blue Cross Blue Shield. And then we also have like a cash base price for everybody else. And we'll print out like the receipt so you can still submit it to your insurance and it goes towards your Mm -hmm. deductible. And if you met your deductible because you just had a baby, you should be able to get that back. Oh, perfect. And I was going to, um, and that website that we were talking about, you could find the clinic at elpasopelvichealth.com. And I mean, if you guys are listening, I would highly recommend you take that quiz. I mean, you never know what issue you might have not even considered could be connected I mean, we've talked a lot about about a lot of stuff that I'm like, would have never thought, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it might be something that you'd benefit from, even though right now you might be like, I don't, I don't think I need that, but I'll put it in the back of my mind for later. You know, it's still good to take that quiz and see, you never know. And for like our parents too, like I'm literally thinking of my parents right now. I'm like, they need to go, both of them now. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say as well, like something we've seen a lot lately that people don't talk about either is tummy tucks. We have seen so many people with bowel issues and bladder issues after tummy tucks, but the plastic surgeon isn't telling you like they don't know or they're not really making that connection, but we see it in the clinic all the time. So things that, like you said, that you might not realize, I mean, we see people that have been to physical therapy for hip pain, but some of those hip muscles feed into the pelvic floor. And if you're only working externally, sometimes if you still have this residual like deep hip pain, that's an internal stuff that we can do. So it's like also other things you don't think about that just the pelvic floor is just connected to so many things that um, we just don't realize. Yeah, no, like any abdominal surgery, right, would probably, if you're having kind of those residual side effects that maybe they're not even realizing are connected and all they can think is like, well, I didn't feel this way before surgery. And now I'm having these things happen. But then, some, you know, a lot of times doctors are very busy or they're just not. I was reading something today about like knowing the limitations of your physicians, like your pediatrician is not going to know a lot about like breastfeeding, even though they're pediatricians, they might just not, they don't learn that in school. So like knowing that 
even though you're struggling, there's other places to look that they are specialized in those things. So your doctor might not be telling you like, just because they're not even, like you said, they're not realizing that that's what's causing that. So to go to Mm -hmm. a specialist that would be able to connect those dots, you know, because in the same way, you're not a surgeon, so you wouldn't know how to do the surgery, but you could help in the way afterwards. So knowing everyone's limitations and their strengths is also key. I've seen several like more complex cases and I see a lot of people who have gone to this doctor, this doctor, this doctor, driven to Mayo Clinic, you know, and all these things. And so I'm honest with people like, okay, this is what you're telling me. This sounds musculoskeletal, meaning this sounds like something I is in my jurisdiction and my scope of practice and I can help you with. Or you know what? That doesn't sound musculoskeletal. Like I'd like you to get more tests or like, let's Mm -hmm. look at this or that, you know? So I understand the frustration of people who like this doctor didn't tell me about this, but they only know what they know. And Mm -hmm. they're just people, you know, at the end of the day. And we kind of like only know this area. They only know this area. They stay in their lane and having someone to look at all of it and be like, yeah, okay. I see that. I see that. But I think all of these are connected and this is why can be really validating for people. And what do you think has been, since you work with like surgical cases too, like complexity wise, does one stand out or has there been like a huge like victory that you've seen a client have that you're just like, wow, like that's incredible. Oh, there honestly have just been so many victories that Mm -hmm. have just like, I really just love what I do and helping people with these things that one, they didn't think they could get help with, or they were just at the end of their rope and just desperate and coming in and just helping them do little tasks every day or big tasks and just seeing how adaptable the body is when you place the appropriate forces on it and the appropriate demands and you take away the others. I just... It's just amazing to me as well, like seeing how receptive our community was to the clinic too. And just really, even despite of things shutting down and COVID and craziness, like we have been able to grow so much because it was such a big need. And people are now like really seeing that value in what we do and helping Mm -hmm. people get better. Yeah, I mean, and the the impact you have, I think, you know, as a nurse, we talk about activities of daily living and how little things that we do and you do them every day and multiple times a day sometimes. And, you know, how when you're stripped of those things, like your pride, your, you know, how you see yourself is just so severely impacted. So I think it's like beautiful that you can help someone. Like I'm thinking of that man, the older man, and like he struggled for so much of his life. And like, you know, and and things like that get embarrassing for people. Like they're like, they don't want to pee themselves. They don't want to have, you know, they don't want to poop when they don't have control of their bowels. Like, and to be able to help give them a little bit of their dignity, like it makes me emotional because that's like a big deal, especially for like our parents as they get older, like, you know, and and for younger people that, that are suffering through this and they would have never even thought like, I'm young, like, why am I having this issue? Like, that's, it's amazing. 
We keep tissues in all of our patient rooms and like, I'm not I, like I'm paper like, tissues, but like, <laughs> like good quality tissues because we ugly cry. Like, you know, every day there's lots of tears because, you know, just you, these things are so vulnerable. And like you said, and so that man in, in that instance, um, we did a phone screen with him because he doesn't live in town and he has to drive mm-hmm. a long way to get to our clinic. And He's like, I got to make sure this is even worth it. You know, I've been to two other therapists and I just, you know, I'm at my wits end kind of a thing. I'm old. I don't know. This has been going on for so long. And so that's another option too, where we can do like a, a telehealth screen or like a consultation screen for like 15 or so minutes. And I can learn enough about what's going on to be able to say like, yeah, I think we can help you. Or like, mm, there's a possibility like if we do this and this, like it will change some things. And so give me a couple of weeks, let's try it. So, mm-hmm. or like, yeah, you're totally a great candidate for therapy. Oh, you have diastasis and you're worried about prolapse. Like, yeah, you're a great candidate for therapy. Let's do X, Y, and Z. There's that. And then there's also that feeling when you're going through this, that you're alone. And I've talked to so many people who are like, yeah, but I don't just leak. I have pain with sex and I can't do this anymore. And I, I like also have had constipation, but also have urgency. And sometimes I've like even like pooped myself, which is terrible and embarrassing. And all these these things are like, I have such a huge long list. Well, like we just take those one at a time, but because the, most of the time they're all interconnected, we can affect all of them together Mm -hmm. and I'll like revisit some things on like a a reassessment day and they'll be like oh yeah I I forgot I used to do that right I forgot that used to be so bad and you just when you're living it you don't see how it's piling up and then sometimes Mm -hmm. it's the same when you're getting treatment it's like gradually things are getting better that you don't remember how bad they were so I definitely feel like there's always hope and that you're not alone on an island by yourself. There's so many people going through these things, but we just don't talk about them. And that's what we talk about at El Paso Public Health. No, yeah. And it fits in perfectly with like our theme of the podcast because that's exactly what it is. It's like taking these topics that people are so quiet about and so shamed about and being like, no, we're going to talk about pelvic health out loud. Like we're going to scream it on the mountaintops. Like I pee myself too. Like, you know, we're all (laughs) in this together. Like let's fix it. Like you're not alone in the issues that you have. Like there's support out there. There's, you know, great people like at your clinic that are going to not judge you. They're like, yeah, okay. Like I understand Mm -hmm. it's, and you know, and being empathetic that it's impacting their lives greatly, but at the same time, not being like, oh my God, that's what you do. Like, that's crazy. You know, you know, being very empathetic and helping them out. So that's great. Um, is there, I promise I've heard it all too. Like nothing (laughs) you're going to tell me is going to be surprising either. Like you don't have to be embarrassed to tell me about like this sex position or, you know, like anything. I just, it doesn't surprise me. And it does, I'm like expecting it. And like, if you fart in the middle of your session, it doesn't bother me. Like, like nothing, it doesn't matter. Like it's a safe space. It's a totally safe space. And also this was one of my other ideas, Cynthia, is um, <laughs> like people are afraid for me to like see their 
vulva and like mm-hmm. that's all I'm gonna think about afterwards. <laughs> but I have seen so many genitals, like I don't remember what your vulva looks like. Okay. Like if there's something like medical going on, I might point it out to you. But vulvas are beautiful. They're all different, like flowers. It's beautiful. It's fine. You don't have to shave for me. I didn't shave for you. Like it's fine. Okay. <laughs> So. I was just thinking about that, like, man, do we need to get a wax before? But it doesn't, like, when you're pregnant and you're about to deliver and you're trying to keep it clean, and it's like, that is the last thing someone's going to worry about. Like, nobody cares, literally. Nobody. No, I literally, like, I can look at a perineum and just see muscles underneath it. Like, I don't remember what yours looks like. I just am thinking muscles, so. It's not like you guys are back in the bake room, like, did you see hers? Like, you no, know, it's not, it's not like that at all. Everyone is just no. like. No, we're no. back there like, dude, did you bring donuts today? I'm sorry. <laughs> lunch. Like, that's literally what I, I totally relate. Like, I would tell my dad, like, I've seen so many naked people, dad, that like, I could see, like, it, I don't remember. Like, I'd see it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, let me clean your butt. Like, you know what it is? That's, that's it. Like, there's no, <laughs> it does not get ingrained in our memories, guys. It does not. <laughs> no. It doesn't. And it's still great because, like, everybody hides their underwear, right? Like, <laughs> everyone hides their underwear in their pants or under their shirt, but then they're, like, about to expose their genitals. It's like, it's fine. Whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever you want to do, like, we're here to support you. When I when I go to all. the clinic, Elizabeth, I'm just going to throw my underwear, like, just, like, throw on my clothes. Like, <laughs> you're going to be like, well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> Well, I usually like, (laughs) we'll leave the room for people to change. But I have had people just like disrobe and they're like, why are you leaving? And I'm like, to give you some privacy. And they're like, I don't need to. You're about to see it all. (laughs) I'll just say, that would be me. Like, just stay, ma'am. We're I'm going to get my nails done after this. And this is what I was doing today. And. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. That's great. So you did say that you do virtual, like, could you do a full virtual appointment or is it more like virtual, um, like intakes, I guess, or initial assessment? So, um, during like a telehealth, it's a video like Mm -hmm. where you can see each other face to face that I will usually do for like a consultation or they can come to the clinic. Sometimes people feel better like seeing the space and what it's going to be like. Um, And then they also have the option to do telehealth. Like we did a lot of telehealth when like stages of the pandemic, things were getting worse and um, Mm -hmm. safety and risk. So we did. I've, and then I see people that live in like deep, deeper into Mexico as well. And mm-hmm. so getting across the border is difficult and laborious. And so they'll come once or twice, maybe in the clinic, but we'll do like telehealth visits. And I saw somebody that lives in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and just really far away from everything. And to get here would be like four hours one way. So 
We wow. did her entire session, like her entire treatment from eval to discharge through telehealth. And it was just like us okay. on the video, like working together. You tell me what you're feeling. Like, let me watch this. And, and she was able to go from that, like pain with sex and like back pain, hip pain to totally fine, you know, at the end of it. So I don't think that's our ideal. I think our ideal mm-hmm. is definitely to see people in person. But it's something we can do is to do telehealth if we need to. Perfect. And then can you tell us where your clinic is located and then where they can follow you on social media? Yeah. Um, following us on social media is, um, is I mean, it, we, we do weird stuff. So <laughs> I <laughs> Um, but we are trying to like normalize talking about all these things. So right. we are going to talk funny. about all the things. And then <laughs> we are just like spunky and fun people. And like we like to just have a good time. So we will do fun things on there. So that's at <laughs> EP Pelvic Health, EP like El Paso Pelvic Health. And that's the same on TikTok and Instagram. I think we do more on Instagram, but occasionally we'll, we'll have some TikToks. And the um, clinic is located at 11500 Pelicano. And so it's over by Pelicano and Goodyear, kind of by that Sam's Club, Lee Trevino mm-hmm. exit from the 10. Perfect. Thank you at. so much for coming on. I'm like, and I don't know why I keep thinking about TikToks when I'm talking to you. I think because of that too, because you're always posting funny stuff. And I'm like, I know it's hard to create that content. So I appreciate it very much. <laughs> But well, thank you for, for watching on. it. Yeah, <laughs> I always feel awkward. Like I'm making this video and I'm talking <laughs> about this, but I don't know if anyone's actually watching this. Um, so yeah, I thought it's about no, the one you said, you. like you sitting there, like eating your lunch, and like what my clients think I'm thinking of, and like their vulva, <laughs> and then you're like, what I'm actually <laughs> thinking of, like picking up my kids <laughs> after work. I don't know, like <laughs> yes, exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> But thank yeah. you so much. We had a blast and we learned, I mean, I'm speaking for Carla too, but I learned a lot. So thank you so much for, for being here and bringing this to El Paso. It's amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for everything. And if you got a little turned off by me saying orgasm a lot of times, here's the last time so that you can remember. <laughs> I, think about that and then remember did you say it more than like an like a normal probably, don't even probably know our normal. listeners our listeners are gonna be like oh my god that woman but no i think it's so important like i'm like i'm that one person that will ask you about your sex life and how it's going and some people it's so funny because people are so shy about it and then once i break the barrier and i just bring it up in a random conversation then the gates open and they're like, they've been dying to talk to someone. And like you say, like, I'm not going to judge you. Why, what is happening with you may be happening with me or I may know someone. So it's just, right. it's just opening that first, <laughs> taking the first step. And then they really open up and then they really tell you what's going on. And then you can share these resources. So I'm so happy you came on to this and I can't thank you enough for the, for the work you're doing for the community. So thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Thanks you guys. This is, this was fun. I mean, I can talk about this all day. So, um, and I don't even know what's not what's normal or like anymore because I literally talk about this all day. But um, yeah, I'm excited, and I'm we're oh, and we're gonna have an event 
coming up in the next couple months for our like two year anniversary grand reopening with our expansion project. So we'll let you know oh, and cool. um, yeah, the community let us know will and be we'll invited post about it as well. Thank you so much. That's exciting. 